Welcome to Ask the Therapist, a podcast for everyone who's fascinated about how our minds work, mental health and all things therapy. Ask the Therapist is hosted by me, Sarah Rees, a mental health nurse, cognitive behavioural therapist and author of the CBT Journal. I've over 20 years experience of working in the field of mental health and I hope to educate, entertain and simplify all things mental health and therapy. So sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome and today I'd like to introduce Heather Howard-Thompson and she is the Director of Yorkshire Psychotherapy Services over in Barnsley. We met now a few years ago at a networking event for private practitioners and from there we hosted together an event in Manchester for private practitioners and have just kind of generally kept in touch from there. So welcome today Heather, nice to speak to you. I was wondering if you could kind of just start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do and your career journey so far. Yes, certainly. And thanks for asking me, Sarah. It's lovely to speak to you. A little bit about me then. So I initially worked as a mental health nurse in the NHS, qualified in 97, too many years ago to mention. Then went on and sort of had a varied career, really, working in different areas, both as a nurse and as a manager. And um found that I'd got a particular interest in CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy, and found it very fascinating, basically. So um, I then trained and did a postgrad diploma in CBT and also trained in EMDR, eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing. It's a big mouthful, so we call it EMDR. And then set up in private practice four years ago. So I've been working in private practice since then, and we're based in Barnsley. I started off on my own and then have gradually built up the service so that we've got quite a number of associates working with us now. So different disciplines, other CBT therapists, psychologists, counsellors. So we've got quite a, quite a biggish team now. And um, so obviously I'm very busy. <laughs> what made you make the jump from NHS into private practice? Why did you decide to do that? Well, I've, all, I've always fancied having my own business. I've always... I have lots of ideas. I'm a bit of an idea person. I like a project. So, and and often felt that the things that I wanted to do, obviously there's always restraints when you're working for another company and you can't always go with what you want to do. Not that I'm a control freak or anything, but I had lots of ideas and felt that I could develop those ideas working in self-employment. So took the leap, although it was quite scary and didn't know whether it was going to be successful or how it would go, but thought it's worth a try, really, because before I get too old and grey and decide that, you know, I want to retire, which would be nice at some point, yeah. it was good to do what I really enjoy doing, which is I really enjoy, like, the marketing side, networking, yeah. training, obviously one-to-one interventions, but running groups and workshops and lots of different things. So having the chance to do a broad range of things and really find my niche and the thing that I really enjoy is, is, is being great in private practice. So you get to do loads of different things which you do very well don't you do like you've got loads of things going on like the workshops now I know that you're doing and all sorts. Which really yes yeah we, we like, I have lots of ideas <laughs> I'm an ideas type person so uh, we, we always have a little project going off here at Yorkshire Psychotherapy and Brian Eels my PA is worse than me for ideas. She comes up with lots of things. And sometimes we have to like say, wait a minute, can we actually do all this? But it's nice to be in that position where we can try something new or, you know, recognise that there's a need 
and then see if we can meet that need. And, and that's something that I, I feel really privileged that we can do working yeah. in private practice. So you're still on top of doing all these ideas. You still do quite a lot of one-to-one therapy, don't you? I do, yes, I do. I have quite a big caseload. I find it hard to say no, if I'm honest. <laughs> so I'll say, right, I, you know, that's it. I, I've got no, I have got any space now for anybody new. Yeah. And then I get an inquiry and feel like maybe I might be the best person. Not always, obviously, I'll pass yeah. people on the most appropriate. But often I feel like, oh, I'll just take, I'll just I'll see a couple of new, you know, more people. And I really enjoy the clinical yeah. side and the and. I just enjoy it. So I could never see myself stopping doing that. Well, therapist is such an interesting, fascinating job. But why, why do you think you've become a therapist? What do you think it is about you or, you know, your past experiences that led you to be a therapist? Well, it's really interesting. I, I, I've thought about this, really, because yeah. I, had a, I have a friend called uh, Jane who was a mental health nurse. She's a few years older than me. I'm sure she'll not mind me saying that. <laughs> and she... Uh, I always sort of looked up to her really and really and, and just thought oh, she's she seemed she was she was a mental health nurse and I yeah. thought it seemed like a really interesting job and I, I just found it fascinating and I remember while I was doing my A levels and I did A level psychology I, I went and interviewed Jane about her role and what she did and I just thought oh I'd really like to do that so I think the 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 interest in psychology and then finding out what Jane did just sort of led me to it. And, and when I told my parents that I was thinking about becoming a nurse, yeah. my mum like, laughed and said, <laughs> "You can't be a nurse," because she knew that I were really a bit, you know, I don't really like blood particularly and big. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd, t- I'd, I'd cover my eyes if I'm watching Casualty and things. I like that, that all that real nurse stuff. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm not a proper nurse, you know, not like a general nurse. I'm a mental health nurse. So I went into that straight from A levels and thought, what have I let myself in for? But re- just really enjoyed it. It was just it's me. A varied job. I mean, my background's in nursing as well. It's so yeah. varied, isn't it? I worked on all the wards and in the community and stuff. Mm. Just it can take you in many, many different directions, can't it? It can, and there's so many different areas. You know, I think nursing's a fantastic career yeah. to get into because there's so many different specialities. And so I worked on an acute psychiatric ward initially and then moved into community settings, so visiting people at home and loved it. And then I ended up working in an um, occupational health department dealing with staff or struggling with the mental health and stress and so really fascinating then then I went to work in a prison for a while and then after all that decided that I wanted to set up on my own so I think I've I've always been someone that enjoys I just love people I I like talking to people Sarah knows me well that I I like talking (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the quiet person particularly but I just enjoy understanding people, really. and People's and, minds are just fascinating, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they're amazing, and everyone's so different. Yeah. But then we all have some similarities. And I suppose as I've got older as well, I can recognise how difficult life can be. And, yeah. you know, going through experiences myself as well and traumatic things has all sort of helped me grow as a person and, and understand people more, I think. And I think that's... That's not a bad thing to have an understanding of what it feels like to have struggles yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And the shift between from being a nurse to CBT, how did you make that? (laughs) Very difficult. It was very difficult. Where did you train? At Sheffield. 
Oh, I did it at Salford, but it was a really tricky course. I don't know if you did the same as me, where they condensed a three-year course into about 18 months. Well, I, I did the two-year postgrad diploma. I did a year at York University. Yeah. introduction to CBT. I think that was in 2009 I finished that. Mm. And then I carried on practicing CBT and having supervision from then and then did my postgraduate oh. diploma at Sheffield Hallam. And it was after I'd done the short course in CBT and I, I remember when I did that in York, yeah. I got absolutely no idea <laughs> what to do. And so they were talking about formulating and understanding where people's problems stem from. And, and I remember it just being like another language. I was like, I was really... I found it very difficult, but like we had like weekly supervision while we were doing the the course. Yeah, and I just learnt so much, and then had, and I started having clinical supervision with my amazing supervisor, who's still my supervisor now. I'm never letting her retire. <laughs> she's <laughs> and she's amazing. She helped me to sort of to really put the theory into practice and to understand how it relates to people. And it just felt like a natural progression from that to go on and do the postgrad diploma. But I got a few, a few years of clinical practice you know, sort of yeah. building my confidence, really, and, and understanding of the different models. In the therapy room. Yes, yeah. So I think that's, and it just felt like I was always going to go and do a postgrad diploma. It was just when, really. Yeah. Um, you know, in like a, a, a young child and things, it's not easy, but somehow I managed to get it done. <laughs> I've got the scars to prove it. <laughs> and doing what you do as a therapist and doing all that one-to-one work people often say to me I mean the most common question when you say to people is well one can you read my mind and then the next one is don't know how you do what you do and you know working with people's distress every day how do you manage that well can I just say I wish I could be- read people's minds I know I do as well I often say it's a shame I can't like just up, open the top of your head up and go oh that's what we need to do take it out and put a new bit in <laughs> so I suppose working with people's distress is something I've done for a long time and it sometimes it can be draining it can be hard particularly yeah. when you hear really like traumatic stories or people are really really distressed and struggling but I think because I've helped so many people or the therapies help so many people that I know that things can get better if you've got the right support and you have you know people are, are committed to making changes then I know that things can get better so I really enjoy like instilling hope in people and 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 normalizing what they're going through as well and I think that helps me to deal with the distress knowing that most of the time we can never say all the time but most of the time things are you know things are going to get better for people that you know the 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 work that we can do can help them improve so that gives so rather than seeing it as distress I see it more as a bit of a challenge as well like right what are we going to do with, you know, we're going to to change things. Yeah, and that is a good thing with CBT, I totally agree with you. When often when people come in the door, they they just see their problem and feel so stuck in it. But often we've worked with these things before, haven't we, and know the strategies and the approaches that can get a good percentage of people. I'd say it's about 70, 80% of people I see feel better and are, are well at the end of sessions. Would you say the same? Definitely. And and I think having that sort of commitment to wanting things to be better is a starting point for people. And also, I always say to people, I'm a bit like a broken record, but say to people, CBT, REMDR, any, any therapy is not a magic wand. We can't just wave it over you and everything's going to be better. It's not that easy. You have to be willing to make some changes and to work hard. It's not an easy process therapy. 
Ashley CBT, it's very active, isn't it? It's a very doing kind of therapy, yes. It is. So you have to, to be willing to do as well as, as well as listen and, you know, but it's, it's all about participation. And the people that do that, you know, generally make fantastic leaps and, and things get much better. So yeah. that's going, knowing that I'm doing, you know, that I'm helping people. I love it. That's lovely. What do you feel that your clients have taught you the most? What have you learned most about people? Probably that everyone's so different. Yeah. <laughs> and that when we come into this world, there's no manual, is there? So there's no manual for how to raise a baby. But also growing up, yeah. you don't really know what to do. You, you take on, you're influenced by your environment, your, you know, your, your loved ones, people around you. Lots of things can influence us. And I think when I look back over my life, there are things that have happened that I look back and think, well, yeah, that could have been a lot better. I could have done that differently. I could have changed that. But we do what we, we, do what we know at the time. We, we deal with things the best way we can. But that doesn't mean that we have to, one, beat yourself up about things that have happened in this past, but also that we can't learn from those things. And I think a big thing about it is that working with so many people, you learn so much about human nature as well and help people to understand about how the work really, so how his brains work, because that's quite fascinating, isn't oh, it? It's amazing, yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe learning about people and how they work has been, in a nutshell, <laughs> is the, um, the main thing that I learn on, on a daily basis, really. I know I'm a complete self-help junkie. I don't know about you. I'm always, well, you showed me a book just before you started, the, the sleep book that you've been looking at. So yes, yeah. probably very similar to me and love all that kind of stuff. But what have you learned for yourself? Is there something that you do for clients or um, something that you have learned over your time as a, a nurse and therapist that you apply to yourself that's changed you and how you are? Yes. <laughs> I Obviously, it's really, ha- you have to practice the, you know, practice what you preach, really. Yes, you do. And, and I do. So I, I've had problems with depression in the past and had episodes of low mood. And I think I seem to have got on top of that now and managed it over the last few years. And I think the big, the biggest thing that I used to do was ruminate and worry. So I am a bit of a worrier. Used to be. Still now I can feel myself sometimes if something's happening, times of change or pressure, I can, you know, I might start picturing worst case scenario. But I'm aware that I'm doing it now. So I'm able to sort of take a step back and rather than go with it to sort of think, you know, what, why am I doing this? So then I look at sort of problem solving strategies or I'll, I'll talk it through and I, and I practice mindfulness a lot. So, you, you know, bringing my attention into the present recognizing that if I allow myself to get caught up in that like hamster wheel of thoughts and beating myself up is just going to make things a million times worse so noticing how I feel in my body and then trying to bring my attention into what I'm actually doing and usually the thoughts pass the more I you know I just focus on what I'm doing then it's gone but the more I'm sort of analyzing it or try and push them away and try and get rid of them the stronger they're there so I've got to say, I jotted down just to mention that Ruby Wax has, has brought out three books that I've read recently. They're absolutely fantastic. I've been to see her a couple of times because she's been touring as well. Yeah. Because she's very much advocating mindfulness and, and trained in mindfulness. I think she has a master's in, in mindfulness. Or yeah, she, anyway. did, um, she trained with Mark Williams down at Oxford University. Uh, yes. 
she's, yeah. yeah, she's really well trained in it now, isn't she? She's very she? well trained. And her books, I think. Have you read them, Sarah? Have you read her books? I've, I've read, I think, her first one. I've not read her second two, but I've seen her in um, on one of her tours, not this time, the time before. I, re- I just yeah. think she just explains it in, she's taken what she's learned from Mark Williams and all these academics and made it yeah. very human and applied yeah. it to the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really like that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not the most academic person. I like things yeah. to make sense to be practical. So she, the same New World is the first one that I read, brilliant. And then she brought out Frazzled, which is about mainly mindfulness, really good. And then and she did a tour, and then she's brought out How to Be Human. And I read that on holiday, and then she's done a, a tour, and that's with a, a Buddhist monk and a neuroscientist. And it's absolutely fascinating because she explains really, you know, in a really sort of easy reading way about how why we struggle with emotions, why we behave in certain ways. And it just sort of really, really good way of explaining. And I'll use some of the, the sort of analogies she uses to explain things with clients as well, because I think the more we can understand it, what's happening to us, and the less scary it feels. And she has a really good way of explaining it. So, yes, Ruby Wax. Very good, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> she is absolutely fantastic, isn't she? I love, I love all that she's done. And so how do you manage stress? I mean, what's the key thing you do to manage your stress? Because you do, you're very, very busy, aren't you? And I think you like being busy, and I can't imagine you sat at home with your slippers for long, but... Oh, I would like sitting at home. So my favourite way of unwinding is cuddle up on the sofa with a blanket with my dog, Lola. Not your husband. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, he's there, of course, as well. (laughs) In the background. But but watching a bit of Netflix, you know, and just, just... relaxing and so last year we were very very busy and I'm trying this year to try and have a little bit more me time because you can be everything to everybody but then you can get a bit you know bogged down by it all so I am trying to spend a bit more time at home I really enjoy cooking and growing veg and and they're my favorite things to do basically I absolutely love it and spending time with friends so all the normal things but just making sure I I, I put time aside in, in my diary to make sure that I, I do look after myself and it's not all work. Yeah, putting yourself first. It can be harder because you, you know, especially when you're kind of trained to kind of look after everybody else all the time, that's often where you sit most comfortably, isn't it? So neglecting yourself as a therapist is it's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's it's so important because I think because we, you know, we are so busy and listening to some really difficult things then it's you know if if yeah. you don't look after yourself then how can you look after anybody else so exactly. I am really, really trying to stick to that philosophy this year and we recommend lots of things as therapists to people every day don't we and I'm sure you know I really I don't know how we do it but it'd be great to get all these ideas together because I know I recommend the standard stuff you know regular videos and books and stuff what are the key things that you recommend to clients most commonly you know are there any books or videos or things that you get people to watch or look or do yeah I often recommend like book wise because often when people when I'm talking about mindfulness and incorporating some some mindfulness techniques into sessions then I'll recommend Mark Williams book Finding Peace in a Frantic World yeah really good and there's a the the website there is there's lots of there's all the the practices are online as well and I think sometimes there's so many different mindfulness practices out there if you you know google 
and not all of them are that good and some people's voices are a bit annoying to be fair <laughs> I think yeah. whereas these these are really good I, I enjoy listening to them so there's like the body scan and there's a chocolate meditation which is always nice and yeah so, re- so I, t- I tend to recommend that one in the book yeah um, also then sometimes you know because it's so hard to relax for people and sometimes relaxation people ask about relaxation so I tend to recommend um, there's a video on YouTube with deep muscular relaxation so tensing and relaxing different parts of your body which is which again is really useful you usually end up dribbling a bit by the end because you're that relaxed (laughs) that's just me anyway (laughs) so that's a good one and I mean I've got that many sort of books and self-help things like you Sarah so it depends really on on you know on what people are going through but you know we have lots of inquiries and not everybody can can venture into p- private therapy so I'll try and pe- signpost people to to resources and you know that they can access for free as well so if anybody ever asked me I was trying to help all the mindfulness and relaxation just gives a lovely kind of foundation for the work we do in therapy doesn't it the calmer more settled you are the more yeah. likely more you get out of therapy and stuff don't you? definitely it really helps and it's and if people can sort of access some of the things at home then they're you know that means that we're not having to cover that in therapy and and that sort of it goes really well hand in hand with what we're doing yeah, yeah. And if somebody was considering therapy, it's quite, I've been for therapy a few years ago now, and I think I'm going to go back again this year. It was the most scary thing I did. It was absolute, I was like, how I'm in a job, I have no idea. But so if, if somebody was considering listening to this and considering going to therapy, what would you advise them? Is there anything you'd kind of ask them to consider or think about? Well, I'd, I'd probably say to think about what they are wanting to get out of therapy. Yeah. So, Often people don't know that, you know, are unsure of the difference between different types of therapy. So I would say do your research really to start with. So if you, you know, are you wanting counselling or are you experiencing problems with panic attacks or excessive worry, in which case then CBT would probably be the best thing. So the NICE guidelines has recommendations for the best type of treatment for what you are struggling with. So and if you're not sure, ask someone, you know, ask someone who's in the field. Again, just say, you know, what do you think might be the best treatment for me, really, or the, the best therapy? So I think do your research, find about, out about people in your area. And usually therapists will often be accredited. That means that they are shown to meet sort of minimum standards that they've had training, that they have supervision, that they keep up to date with the training. So you can look on the... BABCP website which will have a list of accredited therapists on there uh, um, for counselling it's BACP yeah intake I'm sure that's what it's called yeah so having a look for someone that's accredited is a good start or, or recommendations as well if you know someone that's been for therapy or you've, you know and they've had a, a good experience again that's that's a good starting point that's a nice yeah. way isn't it I always because I feel you have a kind of a sense of trust with the therapist even before you've met them when you've got that recommendation that's it that's it and we tend to a lot of our um work, I mean we get work referrals from like schools and some businesses and lots of different places but the people that come that are private clients have, have usually been recommended by a friend or sister or the yoga teacher or some you know someone so and I think word of mouth is the is the best way so if you hear uh, that someone's been for therapy ask them how did it go well, you know talk about mental health what you know what what did you think what did you get out of it and, you know and that that would probably be a good way 
but I, I would I would also final bit would be to say if you're not sure whether it's for you or whether it can help you know you could go along just for the first session and see because there's no commitment with therapy yeah. Yeah. keep going so go and see meet the person because you've got to gel as well find out what their sort of style is what they recommend for you and decide from there whether it's something you want to go ahead with and if and if it doesn't feel right then don't go back yeah and and just to kind of finish off going back to yourself and thinking what sometimes with all your knowledge now and stuff and knowing everything that you've done I think it's really interesting it's more for my nosiness really because you know being a therapist interested in people's minds and stuff but what advice would you have given your 15 year old self if you could go back now oh I wish I could I know I wish I could (laughs) amazing Um, what I would say I would tell myself that I am strong independent woman that I can do anything I want if I put my mind to it which I never felt that I could and just to smash it just go for it (laughs) that is lovely (laughs) oh it's been really good talking to you today and finding out all your kind of bits of information and things that are going on for you if somebody wanted to know more about you and what you're doing and the services you offer where's best for them to look for you uh, well we have a website which we're just in the process of updating so bear with us but if it's still working you can still go on there so yeah. uk. we're on social media as well the main sort of you know the one that we work on the most is facebook so yeah. the facebook page is called yorkshire psychotherapy heather howard we have quite a lot of followers there and you know we answer messages on there and we, you know we're quite an active page and then we're, we're on instagram and twitter as well an email as well i think is the best way just drop me an email you know i'm a human being i will answer you if you email me so emails info at yorkshirepsychotherapy.co.uk if you've got any questions or anything fantastic i'll put links to everything that you've kind of referred to and stuff so people can check that out but it's fantastic thank you very much for coming on on the podcast and hopefully you, again at some point in the future thank you for having me i've really enjoyed it pleasure bye bye